My name is Chad Hoover. My name is Brandon Overstreet. My name is Russell Dillon. My name is Alfonso Jack. My name is Lisa Bennett. I'm Jack Snore. Cody Prather here. My name is Matt Ball. My name is Josh Carter. I'm James Bush. My name is Luke Stocking. My name is Jeff Jones. I'm Brian Bowie. My name is Jeff Hodge. My name is Kevin Franklin. My name is uh, Jamie Clancy. My name is Ronnie Ellery. My name is Randy Howell, and you're listening to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Faith of Fishing podcast, the podcast that brings you the stories of how God is working in and through fishermen from all around the fishing community. As always, I'm your host Cam, and we like to get our episode started with quick shout outs to Vector Hooks. They've got the best hooks in the business, and they are a great company that takes care of their community and have formed a pretty awesome community within their staff. And to save your outdoors, who are there ready to help you get your gear back if it ever spends time in the drink. Remember to use promo code FNFP15 at checkout at SaveYourOutdoors.com to save yourself some money. I did get a chance to get out and do a tiny bit of fishing since the last episode and got the skunk out of 2021, which is good even though it was the dinkiest little bass that I ended up catching. So this is the last episode before the baby gets here, and I am both nervous and excited about being a dad. I did get a few interviews recorded so that I have some content to put out there for y'all, but at this point I'm not exactly sure what the frequency or the consistency will be for putting out new episodes, so bear with me and we'll find some sort of routine that works. I did want to take this time to say thank you to all who have listened to the podcast, whether you haven't missed an episode or whether this is the first time you've ever listened. It means so much to me that y'all have listened to the show. It's hard to believe that this is the 35th episode, and it won't be too long before we're coming up on a year that the podcast has been running, and we're actually only a few days away from being a year since I started recording interviews. I've really enjoyed it, and I hope that y'all have gotten something out of it too. Alright, so let's get into the episode, and this is a good one. We've got an interview with fellow fishing podcaster Andrew Hayes, host of the Tackle Talk podcast, but first, let's turn on the spotlights and talk about the Bible that we have in this episode's product spotlight. Alright, so for this episode's Product Spotlight, we're going to be talking about the Waterproof Bible published by Barden and Marcy Publishing. This product is exactly what it sounds like. It's a Bible that's waterproof. And you may be thinking, interesting, a Bible and a waterproof cover. No, this is a waterproof Bible. Yes, even the pages. Founded by outdoor lovers, Barden and Marcy Publishing has given us the Waterproof Bible as well as a line of waterproof notebooks. In pretty much every interview I have ever done with all of my guests, there has been one thing that they've all had in common. They all feel closest to God while they're out on the water or in the woods. Having a Bible to read out in the elements means that you can be in the Word while you are feeling closest to God. All of that is awesome, but not every outdoor lover is going to want to read while in the outdoors, and that's okay. Uh, But it's nice not to have to worry about it on the table when the cereal bowl gets flipped or the glass of water spills, or when the kids do cannonballs while you're out reading beside the pool. Uh, I fell in love with this Bible in my days working at youth camps. Not having to worry about whether or not my Bible can survive everything that's thrown at it, uh, be it weather or water balloons, makes a huge difference. Uh, You can get the Waterproof Bible in multiple translations in the full Bible or just as the New Testament from BardenMarcy.com. That's B-A-R-D-I-N-M-A-R-S-E-E. 
www.thebookshop.com, which will be in the show notes, or you can ask for it at your local bookstore. So that is going to do it for this episode's product spotlight. Now let's get this episode's guest introduced. Hey y'all, just wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about my friends over at Savior Outdoors. Savior makes retrieval devices for fishing rods, action cameras, and bow fishing bows to give you peace of mind out on the water. Attach this out-of-the-way compact float on your gear, and when, not if, it ends up in the water, it releases a float so you can get it back. And reload kits get your device ready for your next outing. Head on over to SaviorOutdoors.com, that's S-A-V-U-R Outdoors.com, to learn more and hit the shop tab and use promo code FNFP15 to save on your order. Long before I started this podcast, I was an avid podcast listener, and I like a wide range of podcasts. Fishing podcasts, though, cover the majority of those I'm subscribed to. Last fall, I started catching up with a podcast called Tackle Talk. If I'm honest, I disagreed with a lot of Andrew's opinions when I first heard them, but that challenged me, and we talk a little bit about this in this interview, uh, to think about why I disagreed, what worked for me, what didn't. And that made me a better angler. The Tackle Talk podcast has become one that I not only enjoy, but that I look forward to. And on this episode of the Faith and Fishing podcast, we will be talking to the host of Tackle Talk, Mr. Andrew Hayes. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So to get us started off, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit, um, tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Um, so my name is Andrew Hayes. Uh, I live in Dayton, Ohio. Um, and you know, really like to figure me out, it's not too hard. Um, if I'm not at work, I am fishing or, you know, for a small part of the year I'm hunting, but for the most part, like if, if I'm not, you know, behind my desk at work, I am out on the water somewhere and trying to find kind of that next, uh, fishing high, I guess. So, um, that's really what, uh, what I'm all about. I've been fishing pretty much my whole life. I don't have any like real cool story or anything like that, but I would say the past like five or six years is really when I started taking everything super seriously and was like, you know, I don't know if you have the same uh, thing, but basically I, I feel like a lot of anglers have like one moment that they can kind of point back to where everything kind of turned, where you either go from like, you know, yeah, I'll go fishing a couple times a year or, you know, if I have an off weekend or something to like, holy crap, this is what I want to do like 24-7. And for me, <laughs> that was about probably five, like I said, probably five or six years ago at this point. I was crappie fishing. I had a really crummy day at work. Um, I went back to a spot that's really hard to get to. It's public, but not many people really know about it. And I just wanted to get away from everybody, turn off the phone, and kind of just relax. And I went back there with like a 5.6 ultralight crappie rod, little like 16-ounce rooster tails. Like, I'm just going to chuck and wind and catch a couple of crappie and call it a day before I go home. And probably fourth or fifth cast that day, I hooked what was easily the biggest bass I've ever seen in my entire life. It was just over six pounds on a, like I said, like a five, six ultra light, probably eight pound test. And I, I finally got that fish in, I thought 10 minutes. And that was like the fish that hooked me. So, you know, ever since then, that's been like my obsession has been, you know, it's kind of my, I tell people it's like, it's my, uh, stress relief. It's my decompression. Um, give me my time on the water, my time in the woods or whatever. And it, I fully believe it makes me a better person. So, that's kind of, you know, real quick on my story. And then about two years ago, um, you know, like shows and podcasts and stuff started getting a little bit of traction and started seeing some more stuff pop up. And I spend a lot of time in the truck for work. And I, you know, I'd listen to a bunch of sports shows. Um, and finally one day it clicked. I was like, why don't I look for a fishing show uh, to listen to while I'm in the truck? 
And I looked and looked, and there were a couple out at that point, but nothing that really kind of piqued my interest or scratched that itch, I guess, that I had, where I was looking for something very specific, um, you know, short enough that I could consume it on the way to or from work, so like 30 minutes. I was looking for, like, no nonsense, you know, tips, tricks, uh, educational stuff to really make me a better angler and kind of, you know, listen to something and consume it and then use what I'd learned the next week out on the lake or something. I'm a nerd, so I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I just couldn't find anything that, you know, was was really uh, what I was looking for. And so finally, like, one day I was just kind of had that light bulb click where I was like, I can probably do this. Like, I, I'm, I know I don't have, like, a radio voice and, you know, I look like a 12-year-old. Um, but I was like, you know, I, I feel like if I, if I took the time and kind of mapped out some thoughts that I could make a fairly compelling, like 30 minute show. And I started doing it. I think it was, the, I want to say it was the summer or fall of 2019. So probably pushing up on two years at this point. And, uh, you know, you know how it goes the first like couple months or whatever, you're making these shows and no one's really listening. And, uh, you know, but I, consistency is key. Uh, I kept doing it. I was like, I really feel like I have enough valuable stuff to say that people will eventually catch on and will listen. And that's exactly what happened. Probably six or seven months into the show, uh, it really started to, to take off. It's called the Tackle Talk Podcast. Uh, it's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. And, and you know, it, I found a lot of people that were like me. They were just like, hey, I was looking for something, you know, uh, not getting sponsors crammed down my throat, not, uh, you know, five hours long that I can't consume. And it's, it's like, you know, I think, I think it really tapped into a, uh, a group of people that were kind of being ignored with all the other shows that were out there, just those middle of the road guys that want to learn stuff. And uh, so I've been doing that for about two years too. And it's been a really great thing. It's probably the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. Um, definitely in fishing, maybe in my life in terms of just the number of people I've got to meet and that have reached out and, you know, you've gotten into the sport or helped or made better. It's like, can't put a price on that. So that's really what I've been up to the past couple of years is really, you know, I'm still fishing like crazy, but, I also take, you know, probably half my spare time now and put it into this podcast. And you know how that goes. You're running one too. So you know how much work can go into that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. And so did you have any kind of like experience with recording and editing and all of that stuff before you got started? So that's actually probably what helped me is I didn't have ex like traditional experience, I guess, with, you know, voiceover work or anything like that. But, um, throughout my, my childhood and like, uh, probably up until a couple of years back, I'd been in a lot of bands. Um, I'm a very musical person, so like I love playing guitar, bass, mandolin, all kinds of stuff. So I'd been in a couple bands growing up, and that kind of introduced me to, I guess, like the audio engineering side of things, where you kind of, you know, if you're in a band and you don't have a lot of money, you do a lot of stuff yourself. <laughs> For sure. So I learned how to record. I learned about, you know, all of the mixing and editing and stuff that goes into it. So I think that helped a little bit just in terms of I was able to make my crummy equipment like my cheap mic and everything sound better than it <laughs> it probably had any business <laughs> sounding but other than that that's really all the experience i had was you know just that kind of uh music background that i sort of took and was like all right i know you know how to compress vocals and stuff like that so that helped a little bit but other than that no no like traditional background or anything i hear you yeah i i'm kind of in the same boat i i started out um with um with music, um, in terms of recording and stuff too. So I, oh, cool. uh, What'd you do? I'm, a, I'm a bass player myself. So nice. Harder than, harder than people give it credit for. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people that just think, you know, and I think guitar players, uh, definitely have this thought sometimes. I know I was guilty of it for a while till I picked it up and started playing, but you know, you just kind of, 
have this assumption of like, oh, they're literally just playing like the top string of the power chords and they're just following along with you. It's like, no, it's it's a lot harder than you realize, especially finger picking and stuff. Like I started out playing with a pick and then obviously you start to get laughed at for playing with a pick. So <laughs> I, I learned how to, <laughs> to play the right way. But uh, yeah, way harder than, than people get credit for. So hats off to you. <laughs> Yeah, man, and um, and hats off to you for the Tackle Talk podcast, man. I I love that that podcast. I uh, I definitely will say it's made me a better angler, um, if for no other reason than the times that you say something and I'm like, what? That's crazy. Why would you say that? And then it makes me think, well, why do I think that's crazy? It's because this person said it, or and I go out and I I I have to figure out on my own why this works for me or why why I believe that this works whenever this doesn't and all of that good stuff. It's definitely made me a better angler. So um, hats well, off to you on that show, man. Thank you very much. And that's kind of the fun part is, you know, I don't have like a lot of, uh, one of the things I was very cognizant of from day one is like, I don't want to work with a bunch of little individual brands that then make me, I guess, biased on certain things. So like if I don't like a product, I'm going to say I don't like a product. And if I do like a product, I can say I do. So I don't, I don't have my hands tied a whole bunch. So I can kind of go off the, the wall a little bit and tell people about, you know, what I think. And I don't really have to worry about it too much. And I've always said, like, I think the, 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 the smart thing to do is to get your information. This applies for fishing. This applies for anything and everything out there is like, get as much information as you can from different outlets. So don't just listen to my podcast or your podcast, right? Listen to 10 or 20 of them or, don't just subscribe to a couple YouTube channels, subscribe to a bunch and just kind of uh, diversify your information coming in, I guess, because then you do what you did, which is you take all that and you make your own decisions. And I think that's important to tell people a lot of times because I think people get so caught up with like sticking with a very few number of, <laughs> of information coming in. I guess they get a very biased opinion on a lot of stuff or they're only hearing one side. And it's like, you know, I, I think that makes you a, a smarter person. I think it makes you a better person is the more information you can consume, the better. So I, I just like being one of those uh, opinions out there, one of those people you can listen to, to, you know, to, I always, I was, I guess, equated to like having more tools in your tool belt where I can, you know, talk about for 30 minutes about something. Maybe that gives you a new tool in the tool belt. It doesn't have to be the only tool you use, but it's in there and it's in your back pocket in case you want to use it. So I appreciate you, man. That's, that's the funnest thing to hear ever is, is someone listening to something that I'm doing in my, spare bedroom like a schmuck and uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah man and another thing is it's like people will base their their whole opinion off of what this person says that they saw on youtube but that person is fishing clear lake and i'm in north carolina so why is that the end all be all for right. fishing so yep and that's the i guess probably where a little bit of sincerity probably comes through to me is like i'm fishing in south central ohio like if you want to talk about a place <laughs> that is not a bass mecca in the united states south central ohio come here and fish and tell me if it doesn't give you an appreciation for wherever else you are in the united states because <laughs> I mean, uh just to give you an example like me and my buddy uh we fish tournaments like we'll go fish a tuesday night or on our home lake um our home lake is like an actual you know state park lake it's a big lake and i would say if there are 20 boats there i bet four or five pounds wins it like of a five fish bag, four or five pounds will win it. So, you know, I, I think that's, Man. I guess by default kind of made me a better angler is like, you're not fishing Clear Lake. You're not fishing, you know, Pickwick. You're not fishing Gunnersville. It's like, I'm fishing these terrible lakes. I'm fishing creeks. 
I'm fishing, you know, rivers that just look disgusting. So it's like, I think that's helped me a little bit. I definitely haven't been spoiled by nice water. So if it works here, <laughs> I have to assume it works on Clear Lake too. <laughs> For sure. All right, man. Well, uh, so let's get into it. Um, yeah. Uh, in a nutshell, tell us what it is that you believe in and tell us, uh, tell us what your faith story is. How did you come to believe that? Yeah. So I think, and I'm assuming my story is similar to a lot of other people's where I guess the, the trajectory or the roller coaster that it kind of follows, whereas, you know, I was raised, uh, very Christian household. We went to church every single Sunday. You didn't miss. It was not an option. Like you woke up at, you know, seven 30 or eight o'clock on Sunday, you got dressed for church. So you wore nicer clothes than you would wear to school. And you went and you went to like an hour, an hour and a half of Sunday school. And then after that, you went to the main uh, worship, which was in the big congregation. And that was like another hour, hour and a half. And then you went home and we had uh, lunch with my grandparents. And that was like Sunday ritual for as long as I was alive until I went to college. So I I think, first off, I guess bringing, being brought up that way is something you don't fully appreciate until you're a little bit older. Because um, I know a lot of friends that didn't have that. And, and, you know, when you're little, you're like, oh, man, I have to go to church again. I have to... You know, this is a day I could have slept in. I don't have school today. And, you know, having my family kind of almost not give you the option of like, you're going to church, you're going to learn what you need to learn. And little did I know that that was obviously making me a better person, right? You go to public school for five days where Lord knows what happens. And then, you know, on Sunday, you get kind of a glimpse of a lot of people that are there for one reason, one reason only. And it is to worship. It is to, you know, uh, further your faith and you're around just genuinely good people that care. And I think that in and of itself was a really important thing in my childhood. And then probably the period I'm not proud of is, and I think a lot of people uh, have experienced this at one point or another, but college was a time where I got away from my faith. And I, I think it was just because my, my whole schedule, my whole ritual was, was disrupted. You're put in a brand new place with nobody, you know, um, and you're out on your own. And that four years, um, I definitely, you know, didn't lose my faith or anything. I, I obviously still believe what I believed and nothing changed, but I definitely wasn't, uh, good about showing it, I guess. And that's a, a something I'm not proud of, uh, for sure. But I think the best thing that ever happened to me was I went there. Um, I had those experiences and then I came back to very close to where I grew up. I'm about 40 minutes away now. Um, and then you kind of get reimmersed back in that way of life. And, you know, you're with the same people that, uh, you know, are going to church every Sunday again. And you really kind of get reinvigorated and you realize one, how much you missed it. And two, how important it was and how much more satisfied, I guess, you feel on the inside of coming back to that and not having that, uh, I almost want to call it guilt, I guess, of just not being a good, uh, <laughs> practicing poster child, I guess, for Christianity when I was in college and um, you know, now I'm, I'm diving back into it more than ever. Um, obviously with the pandemic and stuff, it was weird. Not, you know, in person church and stuff was kind of cut off, but it, it uh, let me, our, our church from back home started doing a live stream and now I can tune in every single Sunday and it feels like I'm back in that same sanctuary where, you know, it all started and where I, I found God, where I feel probably most comfortable to him. So even though it's weird that I'm on my couch, um, and I, you know, I would like to be there. Obviously it's, it's, it's been really nice the past couple of years, especially, you know, I started reading the Bible 
um, I made a, a promise to myself that I was going to sit down and I was going to actually read the Bible. You have this book out there that is obviously the you know most popular, most influential book of all time, and we've all read you know 300 other books and we haven't read this one cover to cover. So it's like, why not? So I I started reading the Bible. I started with the New uh, Testament. That was something my grandma told me. She was like, if you're going to read the Bible, start with the New Testament so you will at least you know, continue to read it, because once you get past Genesis and stuff in the Old Testament, it was, I, I tried to read the Old Testament first, and it, it was definitely tough. Um, so I'm glad I started with the New Testament. It's It's been uh, enjoyable for me to sit down and not try and speed read through it, but really, you know, read a chapter and digest it and be like, okay, what was this talking about? How does it apply to my life? And I, it's not a race to go through the pages. So that's kind of my story. Um, where I'm at now, I feel like uh, I don't know. I, I feel like the one thing I'm still a little guilty about and one thing I, I feel like I could do better is still showing um, in my outward appearance, I guess, and, and making it more known um, how much my faith is important to me. I think that's something I don't show very often. And I think my excuse is that I don't want to be preachy to people or I don't want to make people uncomfortable. I'm one of those people that really likes people to like me. And, uh, you know, I want to fit in every social situation and stuff, and, and I'm working on being able to take that step out a little bit and share more with people. I mean, there are probably really close friends I have that have no idea how important my faith is to me, and that's something I want to work on and something I want to get better at. But, you know, my faith is, is extremely important to me. It's got me through some, some tough times, and I've, I've really appreciated the, I guess, second uh, coming back to it that has made me appreciate it even more. So that's, I guess, in a, a Cliff's Notes version, what the what my faith story is like. Absolutely, man. And to kind of um, <clears throat> to kind of bring it back towards fishing a little bit, uh, have there been any specific times out on the water you can think of that have affected your faith in any way? You know, I think I can't think of any like specific moments, but I think it's bigger picture. I think it kind of rounds back to what. I talked about at the beginning where I really feel like my time on the water and my time in the woods, I'll put hunting in that too, because I've, I've really fallen in love with that the past couple of years too, is my holy time. Like I don't, I never feel closer to, you know, God and closer to my faith than if I am by myself, you know, up in a tree with nature or I'm by myself on a kayak, you know, five miles away from the nearest road. And it's just me and nature. Like that's my time where you shut off your phone, you shut off your email, you're not, you know, talking to anybody, it's really you alone with your thoughts. And I think that's the time that I feel most at peace. I feel closest to uh, my faith. And I think that's really important for me. I know some people feel, you know, closer to it in a church pew. Some people feel closer to it when they're, you know, with their family or in a certain area or, you know, a certain memory or something. Mine, honest to goodness, is nature. It's it's being out there. And, you know, fishing and hunting are just kind of a... Uh, you know, a vehicle, I guess, for me <laughs> to uh, to have an excuse to go out there and not just be the weird guy that's standing in the woods by himself. So, uh, <laughs> for sure. But uh, I really think that's that's kind of uh, again, it sounds corny, but it makes me a better person. Getting my time on the water makes me uh, more enjoyable to be around. It gives me hours and hours to contemplate things that I really do need to sit down and think about, and it gives me time to pray. All that stuff. So I just think big picture, my time out there in the water and in the woods and stuff is my, uh, I don't know, it, it is my church. It is cliche as that sounds, and I hate that that just came out of my mouth. It's true. It's it's how I feel. So that's uh, 
you know, it, it's in there have been times, sure, where, you know, I've, uh, I'm thinking of one, uh, for instance, last year, my uncle died and my uncle loved to fish. And, uh, the next time that I had went out, I hooked the biggest muskie of my entire life. And it was an absolute miracle that we landed it. The circumstances of where it hit, what it was wrapped up in, everything. We had no business landing this fish. And it was right after my uncle died, and we land that fish against all odds. And it was just one of those things where you step back and you're like, okay, like I needed that. Maybe that wasn't a coincidence, <laughs> you know, that, that that fish hit the net when it had no uh, business hitting the net. So I don't know, little little anecdotal stuff like that, I guess. But big picture, my time on the water is is my time to pray. It's my time to feel closest to God for sure. Absolutely. So uh, this this question is one that I, I always make sure that I ask all of my guests. It's uh, become my favorite of the podcast. Um, but what fishing story or memory means the most to you? Ooh. Um, man, that's tough. I would say there's a couple for different reasons. So my first one is going to be probably the earliest fishing memory I can remember. And this would have been... So my, my dad's dad, my grandpa, um, when they retired, it was always his dream to move down to Florida. He said, you know, I, I'm, as soon as the day that I retire, I will move down to Florida, um, at least for the winters. And, uh, you know, the day he retired, he came home, he told my grandma, he said, you know, quit your job. We're going to Florida. And she was like, well, I still got, you know, a couple years left, uh, in the school system, or whatever. And he's like, well, fine, you can stay, but I'm going to Florida. So obviously she cashed in her retirement <laughs> and, uh, they went down and they, uh, had a, uh, a mobile home outside of Tavares, which is near the Harris chain down there. So, you know, world famous lakes down there. And, uh, you know, we would always go down there for spring break during, uh, probably elementary school. It probably ended, um, late elementary school. Um, and we would go down there for a week and we would, they, they had a mobile home that backed up right to one of the canals that led into one of the Harris chain lakes. And, you know, we would sit back there. It's where I learned to cast a Zebco. You know, it's where I, I probably caught my first fish if I, if I had to guess. Um, but just the memories there with my grandpa. My grandpa passed away when I was probably nine, probably around there. So 2000, um, he passed away. So he had ALS. It kind of came out of nowhere. And, you know, looking back at pictures and stuff, I, I didn't realize how much time we spent fishing out the, the back of their mobile home and uh you know where they were and that means a lot to me there's a couple pictures of me with my grandpa and some of the only ones that i have are us fishing there so i think just that in general that that memory that i have although some of it's a little vague because i was so young of just fishing there with my grandpa and that was you know some of the the best and only time that i, I really got uh with him so that was important to me um one of the next i guess important moments to me probably would have been that fish uh, four or five, six years ago, whatever it was, um, that, uh, that really got me hooked and got me like, okay, I took the turn from, you know, somewhat recreational angler to I want to do this all the time. I want to, you know, I, I would love to make a career out of something in fishing media or something, you know, like that down the road. So I guess I owe a lot to that fish. And in full disclosure, it's the only bass I've ever kept in my entire life. I caught it. I didn't have a scale. I didn't know how big it was. All I knew it was the biggest bass I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I panicked and I took that fish and I had it mounted and it's sitting on the wall right behind me. And I would be lying if I said, I don't 
regret it every single time I look up at that fish. Because now, obviously, I know, you know, what genetics take to grow a fish like that in Ohio. And I wish that fish was still in the body of water I would have caught it from. Um, I know about replica mouths and stuff now. So it's one of those, uh, it taught me a lot of lessons, I think. It taught me that I, you know, while you may really like a trophy on the wall, eventually you're going to come around and you're going to regret that. Um, so I, I guess I may be a better conservationist, I guess, just out of keeping that fish. And I guess if one fish had to die to make me, you know, more of a, a conservationist centered angler for the rest of my life, then maybe that was a good sacrifice, you can argue. But, um, you know, that fish was important to me. And then I would say just a conglomerate of the, the memories that I was able to make this summer. So I was laid off. Um, our whole industry, I work in minor league baseball and our whole industry was just dismantled this year. All of our games were canceled zero revenue coming in so we were laid off for about four or five months and uh you know it was during the summer which i guess you know as an angler if you have to be laid off at any time of the year it's a great time to be laid off um and my dad was uh had just retired like two years ago so we basically spent like a lot of the summer me and my dad fishing and we went back and took him to some creeks around where we grew up and we spent you know days and days just waiting for like you know six or seven hours and catching smallmouth on top water every day and you know, that, those are memories that I know for the rest of my life I'll look back on and be uh, thankful for, for sure. So I guess well-rounded. You know, I have I have some some memories with my dad that I'm really really uh, I cherish. I have the memories with my grandpa back in the day that that I uh, you know I am super thankful for. And then obviously the fish did I guess kind of lit that spark in me to, to do this in every waking moment of my free time. For sure. All right, man. Um, oh man. So I've been, I've been blessed to be able to, um, uh, fish with both of my, my grandfathers and my granddad and my dad. Um, and all of those memories are, are definitely, um, definitely at the, uh, close to the top of the list. But I think the one that, uh, that stands at the top, um, so, um, I used to be a youth pastor. Um, and I, uh, I got a chance to, um, we had like a fishing tournament, um, with our youth group. So I got a chance to stand there and fish with, um, literally every, every teenager that was in our youth group at the time. Um, and that, um, just seeing a whole bunch of, of students, some who have never fished before, some who have loved fishing for a long time. Um, all just kind of standing around catching fish, having fun. Um, that, that definitely sits at the very top of the list. Were, were there any of those kids that afterwards were hooked and now fish all the time? Um, I don't know if any of the, of the kids who, um, I don't know if anyone was hooked then, but I know all of the ones who were fishing a lot before are still fishing now. So, See, and that's, that gets to like a bigger picture thing. I've told people before too, that, you know, I think fishing or find something that works for you. But I think everybody, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that everybody at some point in their life has to have a vice. Um, and you see some people have some positive vices and you see people have negative vices, obviously. Um, I think for both of us, it, it's fairly certain that our faith is a, is a positive vice, but I definitely think fishing has been one for me too. And I think if you can, you know, introduce more people to fishing. You never know who might catch that bug. And then that becomes their addiction. That becomes their, you know, what they obsess over instead of, 
you know, some other things, especially as you get older, that that could turn into that negative vice. So, you know, I'm a big proponent for introducing anybody and everybody, especially fishing, uh, or, or especially younger, that you can to fishing, because I think it can fill a void that sometimes people turn to uh, less positive things to fill, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, some of my favorite episodes of your podcast have been, um, the episodes where you talk about, uh, new year's resolutions. Um, and you have, uh, talked about fishing with new anglers, uh, going up and talking to somebody who's, who's there fishing instead of getting upset that they're there. Um, whenever you're fishing with someone that you've never fished with before, what's your typical conversation centered around? You know, that's, that's fun because I, I think a lot of people have, even if it's if it's you know huge or it's not huge, a lot of people have some sort of uh, social anxiety, I guess. You know where it's like, oh, if I have to hold a conversation with somebody that I've never met before, it's like, what the heck are we going to talk about? Um, the fun part about you know going up and introducing yourself or talking to people that are you know either in one of your spots or you run into them while you're fishing or you're at an expo or something is you already know you have something in common that you can talk forever about um and it's fishing so a lot of times like that that's where i'm going to start like i'm not going to start with the you know the cliche uh you know where are you from uh you know what do you do for a living things like that it's like you guys know you have something in common that you guys both love you're obviously out there spending your free time fishing so talk about that you know it's an easy way to make a friendship and that's something that i've tried to do in the past couple of years, because I used to be the guy that would show up to one of my spots, and even if there was a guy, you know, uh, a quarter mile away that I could see from one of my spots, my first instinct was, darn it, why is that person here? I can't believe it. These rivers are getting too crowded now. Facebook's ruining all this, everything, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, eventually I just got to the point where I was like, I realized that that sounds silly of me, because that person's probably over there thinking the exact same thing about me. They were like, I'm here first. Why is that guy here? I've never seen anybody here in weeks. What's going on? It's like, and then if you actually go up and you say, Hey, and you start talking and you know, those people end up becoming some of your best friends. That's how I've made some of my best friends in Dayton have been the people that I see out on the river. And then you start to see that, Oh, uh, everybody's not just like a, a blank face anymore. It's like, Oh, I go to the river and I see some guy down the, the way. That's Ryan. Like that's one of my good friends. Like I'll go over and talk to him. We'll go fish together. It's not, you know, you're, it's a lot smaller community, I think, than you think because you don't know all of the people by name or recognize them. Everybody's just a, a blank person. So that's been one of the things I've really been trying to do the past couple of years. And like I said, I've made some of my best friends doing that. And, you know, the more people that you know in your area that fish, one, the more people you can go with, which makes it fun. You can do some cool stuff that you couldn't do by yourself, like kayak floats or, you know, big uh, wades where you start at, at one place and end at the next and you drop a, a truck off at each. So there's all kinds of benefits to having more friends in your area that fish. And, you know, it just makes you a little bit more pleasant when you're out on the water of, oh, there's someone I can go talk to and maybe make a new friend instead of, darn it, why are they here? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely one of the, the ones that like, I'll kind of roll my eyes and oh yeah, and kind of grumble under my breath, and then just kind of like wave and try to be like somewhat cordial whenever they pass by or I pass by. But yeah, usually, and that's the funny part about fishing is like, what other, where else are you going to see that? Where you know, like if you, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, of 
something. Like if, if you're a motorcycle guy and you're like driving down the street and you see another motorcycle, you're not saying, dang it, why is that motorcycle on the road? I should <laughs> own a motorcycle on the road right now, right? Instead, those guys are like waving at each other like, hey, one of us, you know, how's it going? But us anglers, for some reason, we're so protective of our water and of our spots. And, you know, we think someone else catching a fish means we won't catch a fish. And, uh, you know, we get a little greedy. We get a little self-centered sometimes. So it's a really weird dynamic for fishing where that guy's thinking the exact same thing. You guys are on the same team. You both love fishing. You're both out there trying to do the same thing. Why do you hate each other when you've never met each other and you're just staring at each other forever? <laughs> so it's something that it took me a while to get around. But after you you come to that realization, you're like, wow, that is pretty stupid. Like, why don't we just go up and talk to each other? <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. All right, man. So, um, you, uh, your podcast is full of fishing advice. Uh, do you have a piece of fishing advice that you wish you had been able to start off with? Ooh, that's tough. Um, now I know how people feel when I ask them the questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the flip side right now. Um, ooh, fishing advice I wish I would have had was, I think, uh, just spending more time out on the water. Like, I think, when I first started and started taking this seriously, one of the things that, that I had a problem with was comparing myself to other anglers. And this gets to a bigger conversation, right? Where there's social media is so heavy nowadays with Instagram and Facebook and everybody posting pictures of what they catch. You just kind of have to take a step back sometimes and realize that what people are posting is a giant highlight reel. So the same guy, you know, may post giant fish every day, but you don't know how long it took him to catch those fish or how many of those fish are the same fish over and over again at different angles. Right. Right. And I think, I think sometimes I had a problem with comparing myself to those people like, wow, you know, these guys are catching giants every day. And, uh, I think for me, when people ask me that, where they're like, dude, you catch some great fish around here in this, you know, this terrible water. It's like, where are all these fish coming from? And I'm just saying, dude, I probably spend more time on the water than you. Like, it's just, it, it's, it's, sad reality where if you want to catch more fish and catch bigger fish you have to spend time on the water and go out and fish and not worry about what other people are doing and that was kind of a hard pill to swallow for me i think at first was getting over the hump of trying to compare myself to everybody and trying to catch giant fish you know what with going out <laughs> once a weekend or something right it's like if you want to catch the fish that some of these guys are catching first of all some of these guys you're, you're watching on youtube or you're watching on facebook or something they either don't have jobs or that is their job so right. trying to compare yourself to someone that fishes seven days a week when you only are able to fish one because you have a family and you have a job and stuff it's like stop stop trying to compare yourself to that so i think that was a big piece of advice i wish i would have got back in the day with someone would have said hey don't don't pay attention to what other people are doing and just go out spend as much time as you can on the water without i guess disregarding your other uh <laughs> you know, responsibilities that you have in your life, but just quit comparing yourself to other people go out and fish for the love of fishing and not for uh, being better than somebody else. For sure. What about what, if, if you could go back years and years from now, what's something that you wish somebody would have told you? Um, slow down. Yeah. That's fair I, too. uh, I, I have always struggled with fishing way too fast. Um, and like whenever you have a, a reel that will bring in 36 inches of line every turn um, and you, you are don't need to burn it. <laughs> no, <laughs> sitting there and sitting there and burning and um, wondering 
why why aren't these fish biting? But yeah. um, it's going hyperspeed around them. Yeah, it's like, um, and there were times where uh, maybe I did get the the advice and I just didn't listen. But because I remember times where um, my first uh, my first memories of like of targeting bass uh, with lures was uh, using a Zebco uh, thirty three with a Panther Martin. And I remember my dad like watching my lure as as fish were chasing it and not being able to keep up with it and telling me, <laughs> you got them chasing you, you need to slow down. And it wasn't until probably last year that I really got good at slowing down. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, something I guess by uh, just the nature of where I live is something that was always, I guess, kind of a a necessity here like you know when you think of midwest and you think of fishing you think of slow finesse i think that's if someone were to <laughs> to pull people across the country like you think of midwestern anglers you think of like a net rig i guess right. <laughs> we're not throwing <laughs> i mean we do throw bigger lures and swim baits and frogs and stuff but like when you think of what works around here and what we're known for it's slowing down and it's finesse now you know if if you're just talking about some small thing that i wish i would have known 20 years ago yeah, I wish somebody would have shown me a net rig when I was like eight. Like that would have been <laughs> a game changer. If I didn't have to be like twenty years old when I found out about a net rig, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All right, yeah. man. So uh, with with all of my guests, I do a segment. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's called "What's Your Favorite." Um, but I'm just going to ask you your favorite in a few different categories. Heck yeah. All right. So to start us off, uh, do you have a favorite scripture? Um, yeah, it is. Uh, and this is one of the things it's like, if I, uh, I'm, I'm not a tattoo guy. And if you ever looked at me, you would be like, there is no way that that guy, uh, could pull off a tattoo ever. Like <laughs> I, if you've ever seen a picture of me or something like I look like I'm, I'm a 12 year old. Uh, I look like I'm like a third the, uh, <laughs> the age that I really am. But, I do have uh, one piece of scripture that if I was ever going to get like a, a verse or something tattooed on me, it would be uh, fear not for, you know, I am your righteous God. I will uphold you with my mighty right hand. Um, that whole uh, part of I think it's Isaiah. I, sh- I should know it if I ever want to get it tattooed on me, I guess. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in Isaiah. Um, and uh, that whole thing, that, that's just a mindset that's got me through a lot of tough times um, is that idea that. You know, uh, God's not going to throw anything at you that you you absolutely cannot handle and, you know, you can get crushed by. He's always going to be there with you. It's kind of like if you're learning to swim for the first time, there's going to be a lifeguard around you. Uh, Now, you know, you might have to sink a little bit for that lifeguard to come in and actually save you. But, you know, it's there. That safety net is there uh, of your faith and of God. And uh, I think that's, that's a piece of scripture that I've always just kind of murmured to myself whenever I'm having a tough time. Heck yeah. Um, what about a uh, particular story or parable uh, from the Bible? Ooh. Um, that is the favorite parable. I would say, I like the, I know it's cliche, and I probably should come up with a better uh, parable than this, but, you know, it's it's the parable of, I think Jesus did it twice, uh, in the New Testament, and that was taking a, a small number of fish or a small number of bread and then being able to feed a crowd with it. And I think that's, that's obviously a parable for 
you know, his knowledge and spreading the good, the good word and things like that. But, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where if you talk to somebody, that's like somebody's first uh, objection, I think, right, is, is when people don't really know the Bible and know that it's parables and know that, you know, maybe not all of it is meant to be taken, uh, 10,000% literally, that it's, it's a, a book of, you know, uh, telling you how to be a good person, of telling you how to approach your life. And, you know, there are people that, that may or may not believe that, you know, someone physically took like four fish and made them uh, 4,000 or whatever. You can have that discussion. But the, the idea behind that story is something that resonates, I think, throughout the whole Bible, which is, you know, you can take something small and you can make something great out of it if you just kind of, you know, believe and apply your faith. Same thing with, you know, Jesus took 12 guys out of fishing boats that were nobodies and turned them into disciples. It's like you can take something so small. It's the same with the mustard seed. It's a, a very common theme throughout the Bible, which is you don't have to start out mighty, but you can end up mighty if you just kind of, you know, trust your faith and follow the right process. So I think that that feeling in general is, is a big deal to me, and you can find examples of it all throughout. Absolutely. And that, um, that story, um, one of, one of my previous guests, uh, Michael Consul, uh, from up in Canada, um, had a really awesome take on that, that story of, of feeding, um, feeding the multitudes with just the, uh, the boys lunch. But, um, basically he was thinking, uh, uh, he had heard that, um, trying to remember how he put it here um but it was kind of like he got the uh he asked people for their their lunch the boy shared and then other people started sharing and they ended up everybody sharing what they had with each other and they ended up with extra um off of that so um i thought that was a pretty cool pretty cool take on that story yeah, we're just no one's saying what the portions were, right? It's just you guys are you know just splitting up and dividing, and and like I said, it's it's making something small into something that uh, can affect a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, what's your favorite fish to catch? Ooh, um, a couple of years ago, if you would have asked me, it would have been smallmouth easy, um, and I think that it's a it's close. It's either smallmouth or it's musky. Um, I'm not sure if if I would say. Maybe I'm just kind of biased, and I would say musky because I've caught so few of them, and it's such an adrenaline rush. Um, it'd be tough to overtake smallmouth. Smallmouth are just. Do you have smallmouth down there? Um, there are places. Um, I would have to. I would have to drive a ways to get to them, but there are places that have them. I haven't caught one yet, though. Holy moly! I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's true when they say like if you. I would rather catch a like a two and a half pound smallmouth than I would a five pound largemouth. And I, I 100% mean that. I think a smallmouth fights like two to three times its weight, I would I would say, if, if pretty comfortably. Um, a strike on top water from a smallmouth versus a largemouth is no question. I mean, that smallmouth is trying to murder whatever you're throwing in the, the largemouth. You know, sometimes they'll come up and slurp it or, you know, roll on it or something. A, a smallmouth is trying to send it into the next dimension when it hits it. Um, so I would say, I, I guess... Gun to my head, smallmouth for sure, but musky are a close second. I mean, the brute force that those fish exert, um, granted, they can only do it for a short period of time. You have to be very careful with them. But, you know, just a a dinosaur-looking 40 to 45-inch fish with razor-sharp teeth um, coming up and hitting you both side on a figure eight is 
that's something the first time it happened, like it's all I thought about for weeks and weeks and weeks was how cool that was. Um, <laughs> so smallmouth one must be very close second. Awesome. So what's your favorite fish to fish for then? Mm, definitely not musky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if you've ever been musky fishing, it is a lot of 10 hour days throwing, you know, super heavy eight to eight and a half foot rods, um, lures that look more like dog toys than actual fishing lures <laughs> that are found. Um, so I, I don't enjoy fishing for musky. Um, I'd say my favorite type of fishing definitely has to be for smallmouth. And I think it's just cause the way I grew up, but it's these ankle deep, knee deep creeks that are around here in like South central Ohio where you can get in. It's never going to go above your head. And in like, I'd say from June to September, you can go back there and just an old pair of shoes, an old pair of shorts, and just start walking for miles and miles. And you take like a popper, you take a little buzz bait, a little spook or something back there, and you will have the funnest day of your entire life back there just catching 20, 30, 40, 50 of these like, you know, they're not going to be giants, but they're going to be 12 to 17 inches probably each. So that's my favorite kind of fishing. It's my favorite time of year. Just going back, waiting getting in the water when it's 80 degrees outside it feels so good it's like a combination of swimming and fishing right <laughs> if you're in a yeah. pool you can stay in that pool all day long and feel great so it's 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 a combination of that that is by far i think some of the best fishing you can do and if you've never done it if you have little creeks around you that you know may not even look like they hold fish like i'm not joking when i say ankle deep um but if there's water there and there's water there all year long there's going to be fish. And those are the places that everybody else drives over to. And nobody, you know, thinks to fish because nobody's dumb enough to fish it. Be dumb enough to fish it. Go, go in there and, and give it a shot. It is some of the most fun you'll ever have. And if you only catch, you know, fish that are under 15 inches, I guarantee it's going to be super fun in small water when you're up close and personal with these fish. So that's my favorite thing to do by far. For sure. Uh, that, uh, wading creeks is something I want to, to do more of this year. Um, I've, haven't done it in a while, but I, I really enjoy it too. So for yeah, sure. It's just one of those like get back to your roots. It's accessible. You take one rod with you. You don't overthink your tackle. Like you just really go back and you get lost and you'd be amazed. If, even if you guys that are listening to this, they're in, you know, like metropolitan areas. Like I live in downtown Dayton, Ohio, and there are creeks around here that I can get to without even going out of downtown. That if you walk in them for, you know, a quarter mile, half mile, you would have no idea you are in the middle of a city. It is beautiful. You know, there's not uh, a whole lot of houses backed up to it. Even if there's just a tree line, you feel like you're somewhere completely different. So, you know, I definitely encourage people to try small water. And, you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you, but give it a shot because it's some of the most fun fishing I think I've ever done in my life. For sure. So what's your favorite fish to eat? Uh, crappie, for sure. And I know I live close enough to Erie that a lot of people are going to say, while I am perch, um, I'm far enough away from Erie. I'm like three, three and a half hours away from Erie. So I've never been up there. I've never fished it. I, I know that people rant and rave about the walleye and the perch that come out of there. But around here, man, uh, I went ice fishing this past weekend and I caught saw guy. I caught, which is basically a, a mix of a walleye and a sauger. So it tastes like walleye. Um, so I caught saw guy. I caught crappie, big gills. Uh, we caught some white bass, some perch. Everything fried them all up, and dude, the the crappie tasted better than all of them by far. So it's it's my favorite. It's a pain to clean, um, especially when you got you know line burners for sure. But it's definitely worth it. What about you? What what's your favorite fish to eat? 
Uh, so in fresh water, it's going to be crappy. Um, yeah. But in uh, in salt water, um, last year I got the chance to have cobia for the first time, Ooh, and never that had- jumped way up to the top of the list. <laughs> so down by you guys, since you're a little farther south, do you guys have shell crackers or whatever you guys call them? Yeah. Um, you guys ever uh, eat those? Yeah, I grew up eating those. Um, that was one of the uh, – so my dad was a forest ranger, and he uh, he got permission from a lot of different farm ponds and stuff, and one of the ponds um, was stocked with bass and shellcracker. And um, there was one day in particular that I remember that it was just – I was catching them on a beetle spin one after another, and these things were um, you know, far bigger than my hand is now. And we uh, – um, those were pretty good eating. Um, I, th- I think we did shake and bake with those. <laughs> but yeah, those were good. I'm a sucker for shake and bake. I love shake and bake. Yeah, man, those were those were phenomenal. And uh, but while we're on the subject of food, uh, what's your favorite fish and snack? Um, so I'm I'm never gonna go in the boat or in the kayak or anything without a uh, blue Powerade. That's like my. <laughs> you're never gonna see. <laughs> Out blue power aid for some reason just goes together and then you know honestly is uh as frustrating as it is sometimes i think i just like gravitate toward like peanut butter crackers but it stinks because you put them in your bag or you put them in your boat or whatever and then you go to eat them halfway through the day and they're all just a bunch of crumbs because you crushed them a billion times um but i mean 99 percent of the time if you see me in a boat or something and you like you know just out of the blue say hey what do you have to eat and drink with you it's gonna be a blue power aid and like peanut butter crackers <laughs> That's awesome. You you eat those peanut butter crackers, you're going to want to drink the whole lake. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've toyed around with getting one of those, uh, what do they call them, life straws, I think, where like you're supposedly able to drink out of your lakes and creeks and stuff. Like They filter 99.99 whatever percent of anything that can hurt you. Um, I've honestly thought about getting one of those because you're right. I mean, you have <laughs> two or three of those crackers, and that blue power it's gone, but... Yeah, that's that's usually what I, I I gravitate toward. Every once in a while, I'll have a you know like a candy bar with me or something. I'll bring like uh, uh those what are they the Reese's uh, fast breaks or fast takes or whatever. Okay, yeah. Oh, oh man, so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So uh, I won't ask for any secret spots or GPS coordinates or anything. But what's your favorite body of water to fish on? Ooh, it's. You know, it's probably going to be the Great Miami River, uh, which runs right through Dayton. And just just for the fact that, one, it's got a pretty good smallmouth in it. But, you know, it, it's not like a it's not going to be a world class fish or anything, but it's so diverse. Um, it runs so long. So, like, I can go up north and you can get into, you know, a little bit more pike and the water shallows up and you can wade a little bit better up there. If you go around Dayton, you can kayak, you can bank fish a little bit. If you go further south, there's some really nice kayak floats. So I think just because it's so big and I don't get bored with it, I would say the Great Miami River, it has, you know, all kinds of stuff. And it's got saw guy. It's got um, good smallmouth, largemouth, perch. Uh, it's got some crappie in it. It's got a little bit of everything if you find the right spot. So I would say that's my my favorite body of water, I guess. Um, we have some lakes around here. Honestly, none of the lakes around here are good enough to call my, my favorite body of water. Like, they're all pretty rough um they're good for our standards i guess but if you would go anywhere else in the country they'd get laughed at um so i would say the river you have a better chance of catching quality fish there's something about a river too that one makes you feel like 
I don't know, mm-hmm. a little bit more of a, a better angler because it's a little bit more wild. It's not, you know, it's a little bit more raging. There's it's a, uh, a more thriving uh, ecosystem, I guess, where you catch a big river fish and you're like, holy cow, this is so much cooler to me than a big lake fish. Um, and you never know what you're going to pull out of there, right? You can pull a, a rogue uh, muskie that spilled over from somewhere. You could pull a pike. You could pull, you know, all kinds of weird stuff. So I'd say the river for sure, and our biggest one's the Great Mine, so I'm going with that. All right, and I don't want to. I don't want you to have to give away uh, too many secrets. And I know this is a moving target for you, but what's your favorite lure to throw? Hmm. Um. Depends on what time of year. I would say I don't think it's a secret that uh, if I can throw top water, I'm going to throw top water. Like you can see, if you ask any of my buddies to go fishing with me, if it is warm enough to throw top water, like if the water temp is is in that kind of range where I can even get away with it. It's like a tail end. So, you know, it could be beginning, middle of October around here and I'm still throwing, you know, top water. So, um, I would say a popper is going to be like my one go-to. Um, if I'm, if I'm being forced to fish winter and, you know, top water is just not an option. I mean, Ned rig's tough to beat, but I don't love throwing a Ned rig because you get snagged so much and, you know, especially around here with these rocky rivers, like you're going to lose more than <laughs> you're going to fish you're going to catch. Um, I would say a jig, I guess it's, it's so boring, but it is, it's a popper or it's going to be a jig and a jig bite is so much fun. I feel like you get a little bit more quality fish, fishing a jig versus a Texas rig. It's just, I know it's anecdotal, but it's, it's my experience is the bigger fish that I've caught in the exact same scenarios and the exact same cover, uh, same water temp, everything. You're going to get a bigger fish, I think on a big bulky jig than you are on like a bulky plastic, um, on a Texas rig. So Jig in in the winter, or if top water's not on, but I'm gonna have a popper tied on like eighty <laughs> percent. I hear you. And last but not least, what's your favorite time of year to fish? Ooh, um, I would say fall. Like I know a lot of people are gonna say spring. Um, around here we have some pretty dirty water. Uh, a lot of our lakes are dirty. Our river gets dirty. We also are in a giant like to understand where we fish in Dayton and why spring is so miserable to us is we're in what's called the the Miami Valley. And valley is a a good word for it because we're a very low-lying area where four or five different rivers converge right in Dayton. So like downtown Dayton, you can see four or five rivers that flow into the Great Miami, and they're big rivers. Um, And so all of those rivers are coming from higher elevation, and they're bringing rainwater down to Dayton and like Dayton just floods worse than anywhere I've ever seen in my entire life because we get it from every direction, we get it from north, west, east, water just floods to Dayton. And we will have days where I kid you not, there's a spot on the river, I, w- I won't tell anybody where it is because there'll be 12 people there tomorrow, but um, the, <laughs> there's a spot on the river here where I really like to go and the normal summer pool is about two and a half foot. So this stretch of river, you know, you can wade very easily and uh in the spring and sometimes in the the summer and fall too but mostly in the spring we will get multiple days where that river has gone from two and a half feet to 35 feet so it is it it is able to swallow a two to three story building with how much this river goes up because you're in a giant valley and a giant gorge almost that's crazy. Um, so, so, so spring is pretty miserable for us. If we have had rain in the past like two weeks, two and a half weeks, it's not a fun time fishing here. So, you know, the other time of year we can catch 
big fish is obviously when they're feeding up in the fall. And, you know, in the fall, usually our rain has kind of subsided. Um, everything's drying out. Sometimes it's even the opposite where we have a little bit of a drought. But, you know, everything's a little bit more accessible, um, and you can really get on those bigger fish. So around here, it's it's fall for sure. Now, if I lived in, you know, Florida somewhere, Texas or something, I would say spring all day long. But around here, it's just, I don't know, you spend more time in the spring frustrated because you can't fish, and you know that fish are big and fat and on beds and stuff. And bed fishing is not a thing here because you can't see the fish because everything's so dirty. So I'd say fall. All right. Well, we're going to start wrapping things up. Um, if you would let us know what's coming down the pipe for you and for Tackle Talk. Yeah. Um, so we are uh, gearing up for a big year. I have some some fun stuff lined up. Um, we've grown a ton in the past like six months to a year. So if you're listening to this and you listen to the show, thank you. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate each and every one of you guys. It, it blows me away uh, when I look at what that show's doing and, you know, uh, for, you know, so many people to appreciate what it is and to reach out and the messages and stuff just means so much to me. So we got some really cool guests coming. Uh, we have some exciting news coming up probably in the next two to three months, too. Um, we're in the middle of, uh, you, you do podcasts, you know, we're in the middle of like switching podcast hosts because, um, there's a whole long story, but a couple days ago, uh, we used too much bandwidth, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, and, uh, they, they throttled our show basically. So you couldn't download it or, you know, if you did download it, it took you a half hour to listen to an episode. So we're in the middle of switching hosts to make sure that we get that figure out. We have the bandwidth to continue to keep growing. Um, again, problems I didn't even know existed out there, but, um, got some cool guests some big names coming up and, uh, really, I'm really focused, I think, on unique stuff for this year. So last year I was lucky enough to, to check off some people off the bucket list that I wanted to have on the show and I wanted to talk to. Um, and some of my favorite shows, if I'm going to be honest, were obviously like I love the ones where it's just me, but if I'm going to bring on a guest, some of my favorite ones have been ones where you may not have heard of this person ever, but I think it'll make a cool conversation. It's like a, a perfect example. That's my buddy um, that lives down south. It's a, a, a aquatic biologist. And, you know, picking his brain, something you're not going to hear on the other, you know, 20 fishing podcasts that you listen to, that kind of stuff's fun to me. Um, having someone from the ODNR on a couple weeks ago was a ton of fun because you get to pick their brain and somebody that doesn't make the podcast circuits, I guess, you know. So really trying to find some really cool, interesting conversations that people aren't hearing. It's not the same. You know, we have, uh, you know, Jordan Lee on this week and then Jordan Lee's on every other podcast that you listen to that week and they're going around. So uh trying to do some some interesting stuff there but just you know trying to stay genuine and sincere and keep growing and interacting with everybody i love it but it's just one of those things that turned into a you know, it's almost become a second full-time job at this point for you know, a kid that's just talking into a microphone in a spare bedroom it, it kind of blows my mind people <laughs> listening <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, um, if, uh, you want to, uh, shout any supporters, uh, sponsors, thank people, um, give you an open floor. Um, it's yours, man. Yeah. Um, we don't carry a ton of sponsors and that's kind of on purpose. And so we don't have to shove it down people's throat, uh, all the time. But, you know, obviously our title sponsors, top fishing deals, they've been great to us. And it's a, a website that shows you different sales from across the internet. So it's not one specific brand. So again, we can continue to be honest and sincere and jesse over there has believed in us from day one and you know helped us with everything so top fishing deals has been great um we also work with dark horse tackle now which is like a subscription service that instead of doing the you know the normal baits you're going to get a lot of those other ones it's it's more of like 
boutique small run lures that you know some dudes are making really cool stuff that you wouldn't have known about otherwise so that's a cool uh company we've worked with um you know and, and there's some some other companies that have supported us and helped us out uh mountain dew uh dobbins rod some other folks too but you know the i i appreciate the sponsors so much because the ones that we've worked with so far have not made me change what i want to do and i think you see that a lot of times with some shows it becomes pretty evident that you know, they have two or three companies. That's all they talk about, and you don't really get a sincere uh, uh, show anymore. So I don't want to do that. But those guys have been great, and uh, yeah, we're we got some cool stuff coming up. I can't announce too much of it yet, but uh, it's going to be an exciting year for me. Awesome. And uh, if our listeners want to follow you on social media, learn more about you, uh, listen to the listen to Tackle Talk. How do they find you? Yeah. Um, we're on uh, all the, the normal podcast platforms, so Apple, Spotify, iHeart, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, you can probably find us. Um, we have a website, TackleTalkPodcast.com. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, at TackleTalkPodcast for Instagram. We're on TackleTalkPodcast on Facebook. And then if you want to follow my personal one, um, I'll you know shoot me a message. I'll get back to you guys, too. Uh, it's just at Hayes Fishing, H-A-Z-E Fishing, and that's like where I... You just post most of my fishing pictures. So if you just like, you know, semi-cool fishing pictures, uh, that's a, that's a good place to look too. But yeah, I mean, anybody that wants to reach out and chat, we're always open. I know uh, you're the same way and you're really good about that. So uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk about some things I don't get to talk about very often too. Absolutely. And, um, thank you for coming on the show, man. I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's so much easier to talk to other podcasters because they, um, <laughs> They know how to carry a conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's not um, so, like pulling teeth. I've right. had that before with guests too, where, you know, they, they either don't feel super comfortable or, you know, they, they kind of need handheld a little bit more. And yeah, it's the same thing. I did a, a podcast that I recorded a couple of days ago with somebody that does another, uh, a, a big show too. And, you know, it, that's why I told him, I was like, man, it's so nice to not only have someone that can carry a conversation, but we did it over Zoom and it was like, you know, he has professional audio equipment and stuff. And you're like, man, this is nice. I don't have to do a lot of editing or anything. This is, <laughs> I could get used to this. It's like, you're going to spoil me, man. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And you know, it's, uh, it's fun to talk to other folks that are, that are doing the same thing. It's a fun part about fishing podcasts is like, we're both fishing podcasts, but we're both so different. Yeah, um, for sure. Awesome. So someone gets, you know, uh, something different from everything. It's not the exact same show just regurgitated over and over again by 50 different people. So that's why I appreciate it. you got a really cool lane that I think you're doing a really good job with and spreading some good word that I think people need to hear. So, well, I definitely appreciate it, man. Cool. If you want to get a hold of the best hooks in the business, check out Vector Hooks. Vector Hooks is veteran owned and operated, and they really go above and beyond with how they treat their customers. They make hooks for all kinds of applications, presentations, baits, and techniques that are stout and strong. And with these things being chemically sharpened, let me tell you, their slogan is, man, these things are sharp for a reason. Check them out today at www.vectorhooks.com. That's V-E-C-T-O-R hooks.com. I want to thank Andrew again for coming on the show and sharing his story with us. If you want to find Andrew on social media, I'll have links in the show notes as well as links to where to find and listen to the Tackle Talk podcast and to Barden and Marcy Publishing so that you can find the Waterproof Bible. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Next time you hear from me, I'll be a dad. Uh, Thank you all again for listening. Y'all take care and God bless. Thank you all for listening to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoy the show. 
and follow the show on Instagram at faithandfishingpod or at facebook.com slash faithandfishing. Be sure to reach out to one of the amazing pastors in your community if you have questions about faith, and make sure you join the Faith and Fishing community on Facebook. Special thanks goes to Tyler Worrell, the graphic designer behind the Faith and Fishing logo. The Faith and Fishing podcast is produced by Cam Steele, and the music for the show is written, recorded, and performed by Jonathan Influenzi and Cam Steele. Thanks again for listening. Y'all take care, and God bless.